Personal Revival, an interview with Justin Allen. Thank you for joining me for Revival in My City. For those who want to see their cities transformed by the power of God, I hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and inspire as you pursue spiritual awakening in your own city. Hi, this is Cynthia Bryan. In this episode, you will hear from Justin Allen, a former associate evangelist with Global Awakening. He is a prophetic voice who teaches and equips the body of Christ to hear God's voice and release the kingdom of God on earth. He is a husband and a father to three young children. This interview was recorded in early 2019. The audio quality is not great, but the content is excellent. I know you will be encouraged as you hear from Justin Allen. Justin, it's a privilege to have you on the podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, would you introduce yourself? Well, first, uh, I'm a, I've been married for nearly, September will be 11 years That's to my great. wife, Amanda. I travel extensively. I'm at least 15, 16 days a month right now, and I'm booked through this year and into 2020 right now. Um, I have three children. I have Aaliyah, who's seven. I have Hope, who's four. And I have Kana, my son, who's two. So uh, I'm a husband and a father first, and then I'm a minister as well. So um, my official role is uh, associate evangelist or associate minister for Global Awakening. Uh, so what I do full time is I travel around to conferences and meetings and churches and events, and I teach, train, and equip people on how to move and spiritual gifts and see revival and renewal and all of that stuff. Um, but that's that's what I do full time. So I've got my hands in a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I yeah yeah I love all of it, so it's good. But that's family great. first, and then everything else falls in where it falls in. So. That's awesome. We're so excited to have you here in Thomasville, Georgia. This is amazing. I've um, gotten to hear you at different conferences and um, excited to have you here. So you represent Global Awakening, which is this amazing ministry, and and people are seeking awakening, spiritual Mm -hmm. awakening and revival all over the globe. How would you define awakening? It's a good question. Um, There's a a lot of terms and there's language surrounding revival and awakening and all of that stuff. And uh, for me, uh, awakening is when the, the sons and daughters of the living God, Christians, believers, um, they, they, they awaken, they, they, they come alive to their, their uh, God-given destiny that's over their lives. And they start to recognize that there's more than life as usual. There's more than Life is normal. My life doesn't consist of going to church and then going home and keeping God in his box and work in this box and family in this box that God doesn't fit in a box. He's outside of all things. And it's actually really a a revelation of the kingdom. Uh, The kingdom of God is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, seeing the sick healed and all of that is part of it, but also seeing um, creativity and ingenuity and prosperity in all arenas, all every mountain of influence, whether it's business or government or entertainment or education or the religious paradigm, uh, seeing God crash in and not go anywhere. You know, like I'm not looking for a good meeting. I'm looking for families to get a revelation of the glory of God, individuals, papas, uh, mamas, all that kind of stuff. It's really good. And then it actually changes the world when the sons and daughters actually know him well and they represent him well and the world can see our good works and know uh, that there's a father in heaven that loves them. So. That's great. Something okay. along that line. So I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. So it impacts all of society. All of society. Yeah. Not yeah. just the religious arena. Every 
every everywhere that can be impacted is impacted by the love of God and the kingdom. That's really good. And I think you kind of touched on this um, in in what you just said, but like, what do you see as the key catalyst to bring awakening and revival to a, to a community? Well, I think it's a, it's a complicated question. Um, and I, th- I don't think there's one blanket answer that can be given. So uh, the, the general answer would be that every believer needs to f- fall in love with Father God, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And they need to have a, a rich and deep relationship with the Godhead. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have that, you have nothing to present the world with. You know, your giftings and callings will only take you so far. Um, but what people are looking for is actually God in you, Christ yeah. in you, so yeah. of glory. So you have to do that. Uh, but then as it breaks down, you know, nationally, regionally, on a state level, on a community level, um, you really have to begin to pray and seek the heart of the Father. I believe in the same way that there's created value in each uh, man, woman, boy, and girl. Uh, I believe that there's actually created value in destiny over regions and territories that God actually establish certain cities, certain places in the earth. You've got your Bethels, you've got your your, your, your your Jerusalem, you've got your all of these places that are iconic for a reason. And I think that that breaks down to a city, state and community level. And once you get the heart of God for like, why did you put this place here? You can partner with God to say, okay, let the fullness of this be manifest. So I think uh, Los Angeles, Hollywood was destined, you know, a long time ago uh, to actually influence the world through arts and creativity. Now, mm-hmm. over the years, there's a lot of things, you know, tricks and wiles of the devil have tried to taint that. But even in, in light of all of that, God is still using that um, as a catalyst to get creativity in the arts into the world. And uh, then there's different geographical locations that you'll find significance on. So for your own city or region or locale, um, prayer and intercession is good. But if you know God, it helps, you know. Yeah. So when, And then when he tells you what to go after, you go after that and it's much easier than trying to just come up with good ideas and creative solutions. Um, there's, I think there's purpose in everything. There's destiny over everything. So God's very specific. He's not a, a general God. He's a very specific and ordered God. So Yeah, that's so good. How would you help people understand how to steward a prophetic word? Like yeah. if they've heard something over their city or for them uh-huh. in their city. It's, it's, a, it's a balance. I think um, in prophetic culture, particularly right now, 2019, we have, uh, we're kind of predisposed to have this microwave Christianity, microwave right, prophetic yeah. idea, popcorn prophecy, you know. And while like there's some merit to some of that, the nature of the prophetic is not quick. It's yeah. slow. It's more like crock pot. You know, yes. I've got to put some stuff in the crock pot. It's not going to be ready for a while. And it's just got to stew and stew and stew. And um, a lot of times God will, actually a lot of times, all the times in the prophetic, he tells you the end from the beginning, but he doesn't talk about the process. And he's as much in the process as he is in the culmination of all those things. But uh, what you need is to develop character, integrity, what have you in the process so that you can steward the end game. Like stewarding prophetic words. First, you gotta make sure uh, that you've heard from the Lord or that you're hearing through other individuals a word from the Lord. has gotta bear witness uh, with you and your spirit and with the word of God. And once there's no checks or or issues there, um, then you begin to say, okay, God, I agree with you. I say yes and amen. Show me how to partner with this. And it's a balance of sometimes you'll be you'll be walking with him and it's acts of obedience. Um, sometimes it's just simply trust in the midst of, he's not asked me to do anything. I can't do anything. What he's asked me to do is impossible, uh, but I serve a God, the God of the impossible. So, so nothing's impossible with him. 
And then uh, other times you'll find that even in your best efforts, when you're trying to follow God, you might have gotten a little overzealous and chased after something he didn't tell you uh, to do. So, so it's, it's, it's this ebb and flow of keeping your ear to the heart of the Father, to, to paying attention to the timing and cadence of God, and then sometimes re- recognizing that even when, with the purest intentions, we can still miss things. And it's legal, and it's okay to miss things. Yeah. Um, but it's important that when we recognize we have to repent, change the way we think, go back to the Father where we, where we stopped hearing correctly, mm-hmm. and, and go there. Uh, what, what you'll see a lot of times is that people become so invested in the prophetic word, it, it actually gets in their, their blood and their DNA, and it's their heart, their heart aches to see mm-hmm. the manifestation yeah. of this thing. And sometimes you, you will begin to take failure or delay personally. Mm-hmm. And the Bible talks about hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. But the reality is that Christ in you is a hope of glory so that we have this hope in him. So like if you're hoping in a prophetic manifestation of a destiny, then you can be disappointed when there's delay. But Christ in you is Christ is your ever present help mm-hmm. in time of need like Jesus is now with us. So uh, learning how to know him intimately and personally throughout the process, like every season of life is, is really important. Um, and then all things will work out in time. You know, time tells all things. And uh, recognizing that our prophetic words, most of them are not six months or three years. Most of them are 15, 20 year words right. yeah. will help. So if it doesn't yeah. happen in a decade, you're still yes. doing okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love that you talk about what to do if you miss it. You know, yeah. I think um, so, so many people are scared of the prophetic because or even uh, afraid of operating in the prophetic mm-hmm. because of missing it. Yeah. And, you know, the Lord just uses even our mistakes when we're mm-hmm. pursuing Him, yeah. you know, to teach us and prepare us even for hearing Him more clearly and understanding His voice better. So good. Um, yeah. Um, so um, what kind of advice would you have for someone um, who wants to see spiritual awakening in their community? I think it's... It's simple. And I don't know who the originator of this statement is. I've heard it multiple people. I think some people have said Angram lots. Some people have said other ones. But if you want to see a revival, draw a circle around yourself with chalk. Pray till heaven comes in that circle. When heaven comes in that circle, start walking. That's so great. revival starts with you personally. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a preacher's job to spark you onto revival. It's not a church's job to facilitate an environment that is good for revival. It's your job personally to believe the gospel, to know Christ well, to know the Father well, and to get intimately acquainted with the Holy Spirit. And there's no substitute for intimacy. There's no anointing. There's no impartation that will that is an adequate substitute for spending intimate time with the Father. You must have that. And if you don't have the intimacy, you'll never have authority. You'll never have power. And you'll only be operating in a measure of somebody else's anointing or testimony. But when you get to know them on a personal level, there's this there's this crazy authority now that begins to jump off on your life because uh, the goal is that what, what is done in secret, God shines light on it in the open. And a lot of people's thinking, because it's a little skewed through uh, some poor theological lenses or maybe a fear-based mentality, what if, I, what if I miss it? God's actually looking to cultivate you in the secret and the quiet place and refine you with his fire and purify you so that the desires of your heart, he can actually give you in the open. So when he gets you from the secret place into the open place, the devil doesn't have any foothold in you. You know, The Bible says our God's a consuming fire. Well, he's burning away wood, hay, and stubble, chaff. 
And he wants there to be precious metal and precious stone so that when he puts you on display, people are going to say, wow, mm-hmm. look what God did. He's not looking to make you look good. He's making, mm-hmm. he's looking to make himself look good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he actually is looking to, you know, pour out his, his glory and his favor on you. Um, but he wants the blessing to be a blessing and not a curse. So many of us, we want the blessing, but there's weight to, to the glory. The glory in, in the Bible is a word for it. It means weight, the kabod, kabod uh, of the Lord. It's the weight of God. So a lot of us are asking for glory. And the Lord said, right now, I love you and I want to give that to you. Um, but he won't give, give you more than you can handle or more mm-hmm. than you can effectively steward. Yeah. So if you're asking for glory, but you lack the structural integrity, God will not give you glory because the blessing would be a judgment to you. Mm-hmm. And because he's merciful, he won't relinquish that on you. But once you've uh, been obedient and developed that, then he can give it to you. You don't earn it, but you can facilitate it better. So it's, it's one of the ways you can steward it and, and, and actually position your heart well for it. Yeah, so. that's so good. That's so good. So you were talking about intimacy and this relationship with God. Um, how did that happen in your life? Like, Mm-hmm. Have you always just felt this closeness with the Lord, or did, was there a transition? Or I've known I've known from a young age uh, that I was called into ministry. So, for those of, that wouldn't know my my testimony, it can be found on YouTube or whatever. You can look it up and, and hear a more detailed thing. Um, but I was raised in cessationism. Uh, didn't believe in the work and operation of the fivefold offices. Uh, didn't believe that God spoke outside of the written word of God. And didn't really, very limited perception of what the Holy Spirit did. So I wasn't raised in an environment that I was predisposed to having like radical encounters or hearing the voice of God, but I did. It was normal for me. Um, And I just, I was raised in a a family that was a God-fearing home. I was always in church and we, we loved God at the best of our ability. We were just ignorant of a lot of things in the spiritual arena. And, uh, but that being said, I still can remember from a boy all the way up, I always remember feeling a closeness to God. I was, I gave my life to Jesus when I was around seven years old. So I got saved around then. There's not a whole lot of seven year olds who get saved out of depravity, you know, but, but I recognized my need for a savior, gave my life to him. Around 14, I was actually called into ministry powerfully. And I knew, you know, in short, I knew that I would give my life for the gospel. Like, and I would preach. And I just, every time I closed my eyes, uh, I had an encounter that I didn't know was an encounter at that time, but mm-hmm. I, I experienced a call to ministry and I openly committed my life to the Lord and said, um, I will preach the gospel for 14, which is not super normal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but for me, uh, where my relationship was cultivated with the Lord was around that age of 14. Uh, I just, uh, in, in my culture, I know to knew to, to know God was to dive into the word. And I just began to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot. Um, I was, it, it was unusual fascination with the Word of God and study mm-hmm. and learn and I'd pray and I'd play worship music. I don't know how I knew that was right. I just mm-hmm. did it. Yeah. And it was in those times just laying on my face before the Lord in prayer and meditation and, and just memorization of Scripture even. Mm-hmm. There's not a whole lot of uh, value or emphasis placed on that anymore, but I mm-hmm. think it's really important that Scripture memorization because what you fill your life with will come out at some point yes. or another. Yeah. And most people get pressed and they don't, they've not put anything good in there. So nothing good can come out and uh, we can do our due diligence. It's not about works, but if you care about something, you'll invest yourself into it. Right. So these practices on the regular and like uh, I was a strong advocate and so were the people in my culture for like a daily devotional time. Now I had a, mm-hmm. a, a skewed idea of what that was where I was yeah. like sometimes checking a, a box on my list of doing this, right. but it did. Sometimes the practices that you do just out of habit will actually create good 
good habits where I, I, I feel weird if I don't read my Bible. I feel weird if I don't pray. And you, you should have those checks and balances in your life. But in those moments um, and through a lot of heartache and suffering and this, that, and the other, you learn, you don't learn nearly as much in high points in life as you do in low points. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's good to know God and the power of his resurrection, but you got to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings first. And Jesus was a man, uh, just like we were, he's tested at all points and we will be too. If you don't know the fellowship of his sufferings, I don't think you can fully know God. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important that you do go through struggle and all of that and know that he's good in the midst of all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd say f- trusting God and walking through hardship and failures is probably more <laughs> significant and more important than figuring out success. Success is easy. Yeah. Failure is the hard part. So yeah, The intimacy grows mm-hmm. quicker in those hard places. Though. Absolutely. <laughs> well, because you... you you haven't known God until you've like wept at his feet yeah. and you know, like, it's easy to give, you know, it's, it's easy to go to the talent show and do well and win a gold medal. It's hard to go to the talent show and you you put your best out there and you don't do it. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have that conversation with mom and dad. I still love you. Nothing's changed. Yeah. It's, it's more about you than it is him because yeah. he loves you already. He's, mm-hmm. He knew it was going to play out the way that it played out, but it's about you getting to know yourself in the context of relationship and unfailing love and unconditional love yeah. and uh the the heartache is more about getting the the flesh and the dreams of grandeur out of you and just recognizing that he is enough he is your portion so if he's your portion in the dark night of the soul then you know that the best the world has to offer will never satisfy because he's already satisfied you uh, so it introduces you to this like uh this reality that supersedes time, space, and season, you know, and uh, it's just a good place to be. And that's where we, we say awakening revival. It's in yeah. the presence of the Lord. I want to be in the that's presence right. of the Lord. Why do we do these meetings? Because we want to see everyone experience the presence of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I don't know that, then how am I going to present that to people? Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know where we got from there, but yeah, <laughs> I just so love good. Jesus. <laughs> that's so good. So I was thinking about the idea of delay. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you receive this prophetic word, yeah. maybe a word over the city. I know here in Thomasville, when I started just feeling this thing for the city from the Lord, I started asking people what they were hearing. Mm-hmm. And they directed me to other people, people that had been praying for the city since the 70s. Yeah. And the words they'd heard over mm-hmm. the city that... I was encouraged by and picked yes. those up and started interceding along those lines too. But it's it's been so long. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like sp- speak to that. Like how would you encourage people facing? Well, it would play? be really great if we got prophetic words with timestamps, right? <laughs> right. And like yeah. This you know best if used by this date. That's right. And uh, the reality is, God seldom does that. I think there's a multiplicity of reasons for delay. Part of it's the timing of God. Like there's certain things that you can't force them ahead of time. You don't want to be too early. You don't want to be too late. God is an on-time God. And uh, while we we just would love for things to be right now, sometimes there are key key people in play. And sometimes we have this this tendency to get uh, just oriented in our world. We, we, We don't like to acknowledge it, but sometimes our world revolves around me, myself, and I. So like mm-hmm. the world is is only viewed through our lens. And sometimes we forget that there are multiple other things at play. Um, so on a local level, that's great. But then there are regional things at play, and there are national mm-hmm. things, and there are global things. And there's multiple stories and narratives being uh, played at the same time. And God's keeping track of all of them. 
Um, so sometimes delay is there because of the mercy of God. And there are players in your community and there are leaders in your community that may not even know him yet. Uh, there may be some, uh, some souls that haven't been converted yet that are actually going to be key proponents. There may be some socioeconomic things that need to shift. There may be some things in government. I think it's important to just trust the timing of God too. It develops a trust and you understand sometimes people are disobedient and sometimes it's the, the Lord is, has been asking an individual to do it and in his mercy and in his kindness, he's giving them time. And then sometimes there are shifts. And for some people listening to this, they'll be like, oh, this could make sense on multiple arenas. And then there comes a fullness of time sometimes where you'll see where God uses people that weren't the original choice. I know that's mm-hmm. crazy, yeah. um, but God will not supersede our free will to accomplish something. Like he mm-hmm. wants us to be willing partakers in what he's doing in the earth. And in the eyes of the Lord looking around the earth for things to accomplish, I think sometimes uh, that people are, are, are disobedient and, and there are other people that step in and fill the gap. But uh, God is 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 still God in the delay. I always tell people like, you know, God was God when uh, the Israelites were in captivity. Mm-hmm. He was God when they were in the wilderness and he was still mm-hmm. God in the promised land. And they mm-hmm. could have known him in all of those seasons of life. And mm-hmm. the prize was not the promised land. You know, the prize was him. And even right. in the wilderness, the cloud was there, the pillar of fire, the quail, the manna, water mm-hmm. from a rock. Their shoes didn't wear out. Didn't wear out. There were none sick and feeble among them. In captivity, you know, mm-hmm. the plagues and the protection of God, there was light in Goshen. You know, mm-hmm. like all of these things, like God caused them to prosper. Even in captivity, they prospered, you know, yeah. to such a degree yeah. that the Egyptians were like, what in the world? And then they go over to the promised land and all the stuff was laid out for them and they still had battles in the promised land, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, God's not looking to pull us into this utopian idea that everything's not going to be challenging and there won't be work. He wants to teach us how to be an overcomer. And in the midst of being an overcomer, trust him with the details we don't understand. So with these things of delay, um, I would encourage people to just hang in there because he's not looking for his people to be discouraged and disheartened. He's looking for you to be able to trust him in the process. And God is really concerned about trusting his nature and his character. Because the Bible says he calls us all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He doesn't give a timestamp on that again. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's looking to build character in you capable of sustaining the glory that he wishes to pour out. And uh, in the delay, the delay is, is, is qualifying you for the thing that you can't yet steward, I think. That's so, right. Um, that's, that's, that's kind of it. Some, sometimes the delays are part of the plan of God. Sometimes they just happen because of humanity. But rest assured, when he wants a thing to be accomplished, it will be accomplished. Uh, But just constantly tune in your ear. What am I to do in this season, God? So that's why sometimes people in revival culture, they get really fixated on the end game and the prize. But sometimes they're not so obedient in the day to day. God says, hey, go pray for this waitress or this waiter. And maybe the person that needed to be released into ministry was in your act of obedience that you're missing. Mm -hmm. Um, So pay attention. The little things matter in the big scheme of what God's doing. That's really good advice. I love it. And I like the idea of sometimes what's happening in the delay is qualifying you for the next season and and for what the Lord has for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I was thinking about, like we've talked about, the individual and the relationship with God and character and integrity in the individual. How do you see a community of believers? What role do they have in awakening in the community? Well, I think that in... It, it, it varies in different communities and the way they're broken down. So like, for instance, within a local church, you would have some, some level of established leadership 
within your community. It's not just one church, but there's multiple churches that it's very clear that these are apostolic voices or prophetic voices or pastoral voices. And within each community, like you talked about, you started hearing of all these prophetic words that are floating. They're either in the ground or in the dirt, the seeds mm-hmm. are there or they're floating in the air, you know, and they've been there for 60, 70 years. And you're like, okay, uh, sometimes there's the importance of laying hold of a prophetic word and corporately coming together in the air of unity or a community is common unity, you know, and coming together with a unified purpose to accomplish a goal. And uh, while there's a diversity of expressions and when the spirit rests on people, there's a diversity of manifestations. There is one spirit, there's one church, there's one God, you know? So one of the things you'll start to see when legitimate awakening happens and legitimate revival is the, the church without walls, if you will. So it's not one denomination. It's not one, predisposition or bend theologically. It's actually mm-hmm. that the church of, for instance, we're in Thomasville, the church of Thomasville begins to stand up and be counted and say, okay, whatever used to divide us and separate us before, it is, it's not that it's not there, but it's not as important as what God is unifying us around. Right. And the whole idea, if I behind lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. And then you see Jesus, the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run into and they're saved. Uh, so you'll see this elevation of the person of Jesus um, you'll see the prophetic words matter and they are a catalyst, but there's this, this gravitational pull around the person of Jesus um, that starts happening. You will see no revival without miracle signs and wonders. Some people say, oh, the, the next revival this or the next revival. Every revival period, there's always going to be an emphasis on Jesus. Uh, there's going to be a, repentant, a repentance, uh, turning from an old way to a new way, uh, salvation uh, through faith alone and Christ alone. Um, you will always see baptism in the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders following the believe there will always be healings, miracles, manifestations, and all of that. Now, it may not be as prevalent in every arena of your community, but it's always there. And the history books will prove that, and the Bible will, will show that to be true. So when you begin to see those things, um, they see their shakings or tremors or birth pains, if you will, the closer and closer, those begin to get together, you'll start to see it. So on a local level with church leadership, um, you know, we talked about delay and we talked about how can the local church partner, but I also do believe that while God is not a respecter of persons, I do believe that certain people carry on their life a destiny and anointing to do what nobody else can do. And you've probably heard it. If you've been in church for 10 minutes, you've heard, you know, nobody can live the way that you live. Nobody can fulfill your destiny the way that you can. And I believe that's true. There's not two Billy Grahams on the planet. There's one Billy Graham. Right. There was one Dr. King on the planet, one Mother Teresa, and you could go on down the list, but they were fully aware of who they were, and their life acted as a catalyst for many to step in. Their life was an example of, hey, I can fully live up to my potential and see a generation liberated or set free or come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I believe that within those regions, while you may reach this point where it feels like an awkward, you're at a tipping point, but nobody knows how to tip the the bowls of intercession over or whatever. And uh, I believe that God, you know, the the Bible talks about how uh, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with the chief cornerstone being Christ Christ Jesus. So in the arena of church and order, you'll find apostolic and prophetic ministry always go hand in hand. Now, who's one or two? I don't think it makes any difference. It's less about 
a hierarchical thing and more about like prophets always have a word from the Lord and they always see and they declare that they don't always know how to build the framework, but an apostolic builder will come in and they'll take that prophetic word that's over the region. All of a sudden Mm -hmm. this person lays hold of that and they build with it. And when the chief cornerstone is Christ, so basically your apostles, your prophets will lay a foundation, footers, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all of a sudden, this preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell uh, won't prevail against it. You'll have the apostolic, the prophetic, and then the preaching and teaching of Jesus Christ, which will cause all the living stones, which is you and I, and we're being fitted together and joined in him. So God is building his, his, his church uh, on those things. So You'll see the apostolic and the prophetic work hand in hand. The apostolic gives walls or legs to the prophetic word, and then it helps the, the evangelists and the pastor teachers gather and equip the saints to do the work of ministry. That's so good. That's really good. One thing I was wondering is, um, I, I know you travel a lot, mm-hmm. you know, all over the country, around the world. What do you see across the nation world that encourages you concerning awakening? Yeah. Well, that's a really good question. To watch the news in the media, you would probably not be encouraged, but I can legitimately say that everywhere that I'm going, everywhere that I've been, I'm seeing stuff I've never seen before. And it's not spaced out. I'm talking like I was just in Pennsylvania last week. Before that, I was in St. Louis. Before that, I was in Georgia. Before that, I was in Alabama. Everywhere, it's it's February now, mid-February now. Mm -hmm. Everywhere that I've been this year, I have seen stuff that is at a tipping point in mm-hmm. every city, community, whatever. Mm-hmm. And everywhere that I go, people always come and say, ah, oh, that we've had these dreams or these visions of God said there was going to be a revival that was birthed here that's going to go around mm-hmm. the world. And everywhere that I go, I hear that from people. And now what I've come to the conclusion of is they're either all wrong or they're all right. <laughs> and what I think is they're all right. And I yeah. think what God is doing, we're in seasons past to say, oh, look, it's over there or it's over here. I, I legitimately think God is loosing revival everywhere at the same time. Mm-hmm. And all of these, uh, for lack of a better word, it's not small fires, but all of these small fires are going to join together, which will be a massive um, fire of revival that's being birthed everywhere. I think it's just like God has got his finger on the button and said, I'm going to yeah. loose my fire now. So everywhere that I'm going, I'm seeing the sick healed. We're seeing radical prophetic ministry, seeing major players in government and influence and politics, entertainment, every mountain of influence Mm -hmm. are having radical encounters with God, uh, the angelic signs, wonders, all of that is happening. And uh, I'm very encouraged, rapid growth in the church. So all these places I'm going, uh, there is an evangelistic explosion that's taking place that you really, it's not the teaching, it's not the training, it's just God. Mm-hmm. Um, is is going to accomplish these things, and there's a fullness of time about it right now. But like all over the U.S., every place that I'm in the nation, Brazil is in full revival, um, and we're starting to see so much of the things that have been the norm in other nations actually begin to break out. And actually, very encouraging to me in the southeastern United States, which, if I'm being very honest, was not the place I was most encouraged about. Right. Um, I'm seeing you know uh, Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama, the uh, Carolinas. I'm seeing stuff I never thought I would see faster than I thought I'd see it. You know, that's awesome. So that's encouraging. Yeah. So revival is upon us. It's not one day; it's now. So yeah, that is so good. I, that encourages me. So I wanted to ask, how can listeners connect with you? Okay, that's a good question. Um, so, so with me, um, you could go on YouTube and uh, go with Global Awakening uh, is is the organization I run with. Uh, but I also actually host a podcast of my own called the Young Prophets Podcast. 
And you can find that anywhere that podcasts are found. So Spotify, iTunes, Podbean. But we have actually the episodes are on YouTube as well. So it's the Young Prophets podcast. And uh, we interview people from all walks of life and stuff like that. I've got some prophetic training on there as well. And uh, globalawakening.com is another way that you can check out places I'll be. I, I travel 16 days a month. So virtually every weekend I'm in a different state, region, territory. So love to see people if they want to come out to a city that I'm in. That's great. And I will be sure to put those uh, links in the podcast. And so as we wrap things up, I wanted to ask you, would you pray over those Mm -hmm. who are listening and who are seeking awakening in their communities? Yeah, absolutely. So Lord, we just ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would lose awakening over them and their community. Uh, Lord, I pray that even like awakening in the literal sense of the word, that in the night you would awaken them with an urgency and a burning desire to see your kingdom come and your will be done, God. Lord, I pray for divine visitation in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for those supernatural nudgings in the night that that get them out of bed and, and on their knees before you and praying and interceding over their territory. Lord, I pray for a release of the revelation um, revel- revelatory gifts uh, through the wisdom and knowledge of Jesus Christ that as they gaze upon your face, Jesus, uh, that you would begin to reveal to them your nature. Um, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father and everything in the revelatory realm is our perception of Jesus, how we perceive him. And as we perceive him, we actually see the heart of the Father in Jesus reconciling the world to himself. So Lord, as that happens, let there be fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost, God. Miracles, signs, wonders following every believer in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much for yeah, being on the pleasure. podcast. I'm, I'm excited to see what God's going to do yeah. through you in the future. And yeah. um, I hope you come back to Thomasville. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great. So <laughs> okay. thank you. Thanks, Justin. For listening to Revival in My City. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, review, or email me at Cynthia at RevivalInMyCity.com. I hope you will join me in praying. Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in my city as it is in heaven.